couple years after we moved into this uh, new facility, one Sunday morning I remember standing back in that corner speaking to a, to a woman. She probably was in her 50s. She was a guest, had come down from the north to visit family, and so she came to church that one Sunday. She had a, a Catholic background, and I remember talking to her, and at one point after she had asked me about the, the facility now, she said, this is not a church. She didn't say it doesn't look like a church. She said, this isn't a church. Because in her mind, the room had to look a certain way to be a church. And the truth is, every one of us have things we prefer and things we like and ideas about what makes a church a church. But churches, as you know, come in all sizes and shapes and styles, right? And it's not a building that makes a church a church. But yet we have our preferences. I remember the church I served for four years in Sumter back in the 80s. It was the, if you would, it was the, it was, it was the picture that people have of a typical Baptist church in the south. Okay, We own 20-some acres on the outskirts of the city, so it was kind of country-like. It was a red brick church with those Georgia columns in the front. You got the picture of the image? And... Uh, and had a cemetery. In fact, about half the land was a cemetery. But it was that sanctuary, that red brick with those white columns. It was beautiful. And then the T on the back of it for Sunday school space. It was just that typical-looking Baptist church from the past in the South. And so I want to ask the question this morning, what is it that makes a church a church that God's people like? What is it that makes a church one that people in the community who don't know Jesus like? This morning I pulled up our church's Facebook page and um, we have a 4.7 out of 5 star rating. So I guess we're, you know, we're not a perfect church because some people didn't rate us 5. But we've got 4.7, so pretty good. And it's funny, you know, the big thing today is likes, whether you're on Instagram or other social media platforms, you like this or, or not. And, and you may not know this, but suicide among teenagers and young adults is at an epidemic proportion. And one of the factors is they're getting their sense of self-worth by all the likes, quote, unquote. So what is it that makes a church one that people actually like? We... Um, we do a, a thing here called First Connect. Basically, it's an orientation for new members or uh, a class that people who are interested in knowing more about our church can attend. And we ask all the new members, what attracted you to this church? How did you hear about this church? What do you like about this church? Why? What are the factors that motivated you to become part of this church family? So we know what they tell us. And we know that uh, personal preferences are a factor. They're part of it. All, all of these things that, that we like, when we think about a church, whether it's something architectural, whether it's something in terms of ministry, whether it's worship style, whatever it is, we all have preferences, and those are a factor. But they are not the most important factor in why people like a church. There are certain qualities that make a church one people like. And these qualities can be found in churches of all sizes, churches of all shapes, churches of all styles. Even churches of different denominations can have these qualities that people like in a church. 
and they are the qualities that God wants to find in his local churches. So if you have your Bible, Acts chapter 2, this week in our New Testament reading plan, you were reading Acts chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. This coming week, chapter 7 and forward, the next five chapters, okay? But I want to preach, as I said, most weeks from one of the chapters you've been reading. So this week you read Acts 2 through 6. I want to preach from Acts chapter 2, a message that I'm titling, A Church That People Like. And by the way, you can't be a church that, that, this may seem odd, but it's true. You really can't be a church that people like without being one that God likes. It's just funny. Sometimes we think if we are what the world wants us to be, they'll like us better. No, they actually like it when we're the kind of church God wants us to be. So what is the kind of church that God likes, the kind of church that people like? I want us to read together starting in Acts chapter 2 at verse 37. He says, now when they heard this, this is the people listening to Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost there in the city of Jerusalem. They were pierced to the heart. They were convicted. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles of the disciples, Brethren, what shall we do? Then in verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, far away from God, as many as our Lord, as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation, encouraging them to turn and place their faith in Jesus and become followers of Christ. Verse 41. So then those who had received his word, those who believed the sermon and the message of God and, and responded in faith and obedience to it, were baptized. First step after giving your heart to Jesus is to be baptized to confess it. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So 3,000 people believed and were baptized and became part of the church. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common and they they began, some of them began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day in verse 46. Continue with one mind, with one mind in the temple, breaking breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, from this description of the first church there in Jerusalem, we get some insights into the kind of church that people like, the kind of church that God likes and that he blesses. And you'll notice in verse 47 it says that they were having favor. It's not just favor with God. They were having favor with all the people. So there in the city of Jerusalem they were being viewed, they were being looked at, at that moment, as a good church, as a good people, very positively. The word translated favor in my Bible comes from the word grace. So people were looking at them and, and, and liking and, and, and on some level loving and on some level having a very positive attitude, positive view of them. And the truth is we could use a little bit more of that in our world today, couldn't we? 
I mean, we live in a very contentious, divided culture, and uh, it, it even filters into the church. And there's a large segment of the community and younger generations in particular that don't look at the church today with favor. And we should care about that. I mean, you, you remember what the Apostle Paul said in his letter to the church at Colossae, the book of Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Look at this. He said, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. Who are outsiders? Those who are not part of the family of faith. Those who are not followers of Christ. The people in the community. The people who don't know Jesus. The people who don't go to church. People who are lost. People who at times maybe even are hostile toward us. Making the most of the opportunity because this day is the only day we're promised. I'm, I'm not promised and you're not promised I'll have, a, have tomorrow to influence anybody. All I'm promised is this moment. And then notice what he said in terms of how to do that. He said, let your speech. Now, church, read this. Let your speech always be, be, with, be with what? It says the same word that's used in the book of Acts chapter 2 when he says they were looked upon with favor. With grace. Let your speech be with grace as though it's seasoned with salt so that you know how to respond to people. And so I'm not talking about compromising the gospel. I am saying that a church can be the kind of church that, that people look at, and, and I'm not saying everybody, but the kind of church that people look at and say, you know what, that's a good church. Those are good people. They're real. And they look at the people of God with favor. It's not just how we look at ourselves, but it's how the community even looks at us because God wants us to be that kind of church. You do know that people listen to us, right? And they watch us. They notice how we talk to each other. They notice how we talk about each other, not just on Sundays, but when you're at the restaurant, when you're at the ball game, when you're at work. They hear how you talk about other believers. They hear how you talk about the church. They hear how you talk about outsiders. And God says it needs to be with grace, seasoned as though it's been seasoned with salt. We're not going to be the kind of church people like if we don't learn how to do that. People watch us, how we behave toward one another, how we behave when we're not at church, how we behave when we're at that ball game, how we behave when we're at that work Christmas party, how we behave when we're at that neighborhood cookout at the 4th of July and there's a beer keg over there. They watch how we treat them, how we treat outsiders. So what are the qualities that God is looking for? What are the qualities that, that, that we find in a church that people like, that God likes? Now, they may surprise you. They're so basic, so, so, so powerful, so important. Here's the first one. A church that's actually evangelistic, that, that talks about Jesus and sees lives changed. Because that's what this church was doing. Peter was sharing the gospel. The apostles were sharing the gospels. Others were sharing the gospel. And people were being saved on a regular basis. And lives were being changed. And the community said, you know what? 
they're making a difference because people are people are changing. People are changing because of what that church is doing. People are coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ because of that church. See, changed lives get people's attention and gets them to start talking. You ever do you ever talk about your church, this church, on Monday? You ever talk about this church on Friday? You, you ever talk about this church when you're sitting in the stands at at a football game or or a band, you know, a, a band concert that you, your your high school student or your grandchild is in? And let me ask a follow up: When you do talk about this church, is it with grace and is it positive? And the church would be so much better off in this community and in the world if we stopped talking negatively about our brothers and sisters in Christ when we're out there in the world. If you can't say something good, zip it. You're hurting the kingdom of God. Jesus is the one who said, every idle word man speaks, they will give an account of on the judgment day. Don't run down the bride of Christ. Men and women who are running down their spouse, guess what? They usually end up either in a terrible marriage or in divorce court, one of the two. You want a great marriage? Build each other up. You want to, you want to be part of a great church? Then brag on your church. Talk about what God's doing in people's lives. Talk about what God's doing in your life. Talk about what God's doing at your church so that people out there will say, you know what, I'd like to check that out. Even at work, you can talk about things that you participate in. You come to that marriage event we're having next week, next next month rather, on, on Sunday Sunday evening next next month called Spice It Up. How can you spice up your marriage? Come to that. You can talk about that at, at work. That's how the church in Jerusalem did it, and that's how God wants us to do it. Here's number two. I've got to rush for the sake of time. Good Bible teaching. Good Bible teaching. You'll notice um, in verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostle Peter, who is the one that preached this powerful sermon on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people believed in Jesus, in his his epistle, he wrote, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Wednesday night I overheard a, an elderly woman who's new to our church talking to another man and, uh, and I got a kick out of it because she said, you know, and talking about us, about this church, because she, she, she's kind of new to our church, and uh, she said, you know, they, uh, they really encourage you to bring your Bible around here. Because not every church does. Open your Bible on Sunday morning. Open your Bible on Monday morning and read it. Open your Bible and have time with God. You want to grow? Don't blame the church if you're not growing. Look in the mirror. You have ample opportunity, worship services and Sunday school and 
D groups and Tuesday morning women's Bible studies and on and on I could go. Ample opportunity to open the Word of God, hear a word from God, and grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't blame the church if you're not growing. You want to be a church that... We want to be a church that people like. We, we need to be feasting on the Word of God and growing not only in the knowledge of His Word, but in our relationship with Christ as the Holy Spirit causes His Word to transform us. It's the centrality of God's Word. Participate in the New Testament reading plan. There's no Listen, there, there, there's absolutely no reason, no reason for anyone not to be reading the New Testament with us this year. Take notes on Sunday mornings. Get into the Word of God. That's... That's the kind of church people like. They're not drawn to a church where nobody's into the Word of God. And even the young people who want you to be kind in how you talk about things, they want to know the truth. That's not the problem. They just don't want you to be mean about it. But they want the truth. All right, number three. Qualities in a church that people like. Fellowship. Look back in Acts chapter 2 again at verse 2. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, koinonia. Do you know what fellowship, what koinonia really is? The, the, the word at its root means partnership and participation. It means we are participating in the same thing. Participating in the same community. You can't have fellowship without participation. Did you hear that? You can't have fellowship if you don't show up. You can't have fellowship if you don't belong and aren't committed and connected. It's partnership and participation. That's what that word means. It's a lot more than just eating cake and drinking punch together. And, and you know the thing that, that, that makes us a community, the thing that causes us to be partners is a common relationship with Jesus Christ. A couple of weeks ago, when Monisa and I were coming back from Kentucky after her mother's funeral, spent the night in Asheville, broke the trip up, and that morning went to the outlets up there. And I was in one store, and I see this guy, looks like he's in his 30s or so with a little boy, and he's wearing his the most beautiful, beautiful blue shirt I've ever seen because you know it was a UK Wildcat shirt. It was just gorgeous. And uh, <laughs> so naturally, uh, he's standing over this little boy looking at some sweaters and stuff, and I say, go Big Blue. And he grins. We start talking. He was from Hindman, Kentucky, which is in the neighboring county to where I grew up. It's where Monisa worked part of the time, her first job after we got married. So we had a lot to talk about. We talked about Hindman Baptist Church. We talked about the cats. We talked about the upcoming game because... That's just what you do. It's kind of a participation partnership. You Clemson fans and Carolina fans and Duke fans and Georgia Tech fans and Bulldog fans and all of that, same thing happens, right? Sometimes we get more excited seeing somebody who pulls for our football team or basketball team than we do seeing somebody who's excited about Jesus in church. Partnership and participation, fellowship, that's, that's what it is. I don't know how you can love Jesus. I don't know how you can follow Jesus and not care about the bride of Jesus, not care about the people who love Jesus, not want to be a partner and participate with the family of God. It is unbiblical and it's wrong. It doesn't work. 
this silo approach to spirituality, this silo approach to religion, this silo approach to, to Jesus. It's just you and Jesus out on the boat on Sunday morning fishing. Uh-uh, no, no. The kind of church people like and that God likes are people who they just, they just, they, they, they're connected and they participate together. And that leads into the next one. They like hanging out with each other. But look with me again in your Bible. In verse 42, after they were continually devoting, they were constantly committed to teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. That's not the Lord's Supper. Look down at verse 46. Day by day continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from where? Where? House to house. What were they doing? Taking their meals together. Back in uh, uh, December, uh, Ron and Debbie Curry had a party at their house, a Christmas party. Man, they went all out. I don't know, 12 couples or so there that night. And it wasn't the first one they'd done in food. They cooked all this food, and they fed us, and we played games. and It was fun. See, Christians, pe people who are following Christ, you, you enjoy being around other believers. This, this Saturday, uh, we're going to Lauren Daigle. That's who we're going to see, right? All right. With the crowders, we're going, we're going to, to a concert Saturday night up in Charlotte. We're going to go eat some Italian and put on some weight before the concert. So... Because you just enjoy doing that. So, Jim and April, thank you. You just, you just want to be with God's people. You hang out. And if you don't ever want to hang out with God's people, then why would anybody out there in the, in the world, in the community who doesn't know Jesus and doesn't love Jesus, why would any of them want to hang out with us if you don't want to hang out with us? Huh? And by the way, Stop waiting for somebody to ask you to lunch. You can ask somebody just as easily. You know, it's like when these couples are mad at each other. Y'all have never done this, have you? You husbands and wives, you've never had this experience where you had a little tiff and you go to bed and you're still mad at each other and you lay looking at that wall and she lays looking at that wall and you want to make up, but you're not about to make the first move. If she would just roll over and touch you or say something, boy, it'd be on, it'd be over, everything's good. And it's like that at church. Nobody ever asked me to do anything. Nobody ever asked me to do anything. Nobody ever asked. Well, when did you ever ask anybody to do something? It works both ways. It's amazing how many excuses we make. Hang out. The gift of hanging, the gift of hanging out. Oh, and one last, one last thing there. Okay, you ready? Now write this down. This is so profound. Write this down. Don't, that's do not, don't hang out with the same people all the time. Uh-oh. Now I've started meddling. Because when you have the gift of hanging out, you exercise it by from time to time hanging out with new people in the church too. Because if you don't do that, you're just a click. And that shuts outsiders out. So are you doing it with new, are you hanging out with new people as well? Okay. Number five, got to run. Pray for each other. At the end of verse 42, they were committed to praying. They were praying for, I love these Sunday school classes. I send out these, these prayer lists every week. And, um, Tuesday morning women's Bible study, standing in there in a circle, holding hands and praying. 
in our D groups, we pray about some real personal stuff, praying for each other. And, and I learned, I've learned something, guys. Listen, listen. You're more likely to have a bunch of people praying for you if you are also praying for others. Again, you notice how all this goes both ways? Because we, we, we spend so much time talking about the church this and the church needs to do that. Well, who's the church? Well, if you want the church to do it, guess what? You do it or stop complaining. People don't like a church where everybody complains. They like a church where people do. And one of the things we can do that makes a church a beautiful thing, a beautiful place, is to pray for each other. And then the last one real quick, number six, is generosity. Helping each other when there's a need. That's what they were doing, sharing their resources and those who had needs, they were helping them. And it's a beautiful thing when you see Sunday school classes and other groups come together to help somebody who has a need in their life. Um, back in December, Monisa and I were eating lunch one Sunday, and at least I think it was a Sunday, and bumped into a couple who are somewhat newer to her church, been here, I don't know, I lose track of time, maybe three years or so. And uh, he gave me a, a gift card to a grocery store, and I, I don't remember the exact amount, but I think it was like for $250, $300, something like that. And he said, give that to somebody who needs it. I said, I would. And I had it. And, 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 and a week or two passed, and I've been praying about who to give that to. And one day I was meeting with a church planner. Um, man, I've been, I meet him with once a month, mentoring him. He's, he's, a, he's a new church planner in this area, uh, African-American church planner. And he'd, he'd gone into ministry as an adult and a daughter going to college. And as we talked, I started learning it's tight because he's a church planner and he's, he's not paid much. He's starting this new church. I don't know, I just felt impressed to give him that card. And I knew I'd made the right decision when I gave it to him and he cried. See, people like a church like that. There's a lot more I could say about this church in Jerusalem that found favor with people. But I want to say one final thing. It, it was not, listen, one final thing. It was not the church that was doing all these things. Verse 42 in your Bible. They were continually devoting themselves. Verse 43. Everyone. Verse 44. All those. Verse 45. They began. You get the picture? The middle of verse 46. They were taking their meals church is nothing more than us and what we allow God to do through us and in us. It's not the church that does this stuff. It's the people. 
It's the followers of Jesus Christ, his disciples. Those of us who are believers who have been saved and baptized, those of us who are the church. It's, it's, it's you and me inviting people. It's you and me out there in the community talking positively about what God's doing in the church. It's, it's you and me praying for those who have needs. It's you and me being generous and helping people at a point of need. It's, it's you and me having lunch or dinner with people. You and, you and me going to ball games with one another. You and, you and me going to show together. It's, it's, it's the people. It's you and me. It's us. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's not the church. Stop saying the church. It's you and me. It's us. It's you. like we're, you know, links in that chain. And you are one of those links. Are you a strong link or a weak one? It's us. Let's be the kind of people. Let's be the kind of individual follower of Jesus Christ. Christ wants us to. If we do that, we may never get a five-star rating. But maybe we can move from a 4.7 to a 4.8. God can use us. God can use us. You're part of the equation. Okay? You're part of the equation.